Welcome to Minnesota Matters. I'm Scott Peterson, and I'm joined by MNN's Bill Werner, Tasha Radel, and Mike Grimm. We're going to delve into what's going on in the North Star State. If it matters in Minnesota, we've got it covered. This week, I talk with Senator Al Franken about long lines at MSP International Airport and what's being done to shorten wait times for travelers. Tasha Radel talks about the devastating effects of gambling addiction for this Problem Gambling Awareness Month. And Brownfield's Mark Dorenkamp has the latest from the Minnesota Corn Growers Association. But first, this of course was the opening week of the 2016 Minnesota Legislature, and Governor Dayton also laid out his priorities in his sixth State of the State Address. MNN's Bill Werner has been at the Capitol covering it. Bill, there are a lot of issues on lawmakers' plates this year. Where do we start? Scott, the 2016 legislative session began with an attempt by Democrats to extend unemployment benefits for out-of-work minors on the Iron Range. Republicans say business tax cuts also need to travel along with that in the form of a measure that would refund some of the money that employers paid into the Unemployment Insurance Trust Fund. Democrats say they're willing to talk about it, but they say the unemployment benefit extension for the range needs to pass on its own right away. Here are Governor Dayton's comments in his State of the State address. I will hold the House Republicans to their commitments the last couple of months to provide 26 weeks of extended unemployment benefits retroactively to those good men and women on the Iron Range. keep those promises and send the Iron Range families the unemployment benefits they need and have earned, I will sign that legislation next week. If you don't, it will be a broken promise that people will long remember. I pledged to work with you in this session to provide meaningful unemployment tax reductions for Minnesota businesses. But that change deserves proper review through your established committees and procedures. To hold $29 million of desperately needed unemployment benefits hostage to $272 million in fund cuts is unnecessary and is cruel. House Speaker Republican Kurt Dowd says about business tax cuts passing along with the unemployment benefit extension. We don't understand uh, the problem with them being together. Obviously, uh, the the policy that's in that bill um, is something Democrats have supported in the past at a larger level when there was a lower surplus. Um, we are committed to providing unemployment uh, insurance benefit extension to those who are uh, hurting on the range and, and need that help. Uh, we also are committed to long-term job growth on the Iron Range and, and a commitment that the Iron Range isn't, uh, the, the Iron Range isn't dying. It's uh, maybe in its earliest years and its best years are ahead. And I think we have uh, some great resources on the Iron Range that uh, maybe need some support and investment from uh, from our governor. That's House Speaker Kurt Doubt. Another issue, a carryover from 2015, is pre-kindergarten, i.e. state-paid preschool. Governor Dayton wants universal pre-K, but the state budget will not permit it. Republicans say universal pre-kindergarten will not close the persistent achievement gap in Minnesota between children of color and their white counterparts, House Speaker Kurt Dowd. We just don't think it's the best investment. We know that the program's similar to what we did last session, uh, where we invested in in, uh, early education scholarships, and actually that's for three and four-year-olds, has a much much better uh, statistical uh, chance of of reducing the achievement gap based on the results of other states who have done similar things. Um, And and 
we know that sometimes those families that are uh, need need that service for those kids when they're threes, three-year-olds and four-year-olds. Um, so why are we providing money for a, a student in Egan or Edina um, to to go to preschool when? Uh, students in, in you know, three-year-olds in, in Minneapolis or, or St. Paul, minority students, uh, don't have that. Um, we think it's much better to target those investments. And if we actually want to reduce the achievement gap, that's what the data shows will do it. Transportation funding is another carryover issue from 2015. The governor in his state of the state. I made my proposal over a year ago. Many people didn't like mine. But it provided real money and enough of it to make real transportation improvements all over Minnesota. The improvements people and businesses must have if they are to continue to thrive here. I'm waiting for an alternative. I'm willing to be flexible, but I will also insist on a real solution. No smoke and mirrors. This is about construction projects, not campaign posters. And it's too urgent to be left for another year. House Republican Majority Leader Joyce Pepin reacted after the governor's speech. I'm glad the governor is still talking about transportation. He um, said he put forward a plan last year, and as you recall, it was a 6 to 16 cent per gallon gas tax. And then he later said that that was, a, that was dead. And then tonight I was kind of hoping he would talk about that a little bit more, about what his proposal was. We put together a very robust proposal. And this 2016 legislative session... Democrats and Republicans have quite different views about what should be done with Minnesota's $900 million state budget surplus. House Speaker Kurt Dowd says... Minnesotans aren't uh, feeling the kind of budget surplus that the state has right now. And we think that this is a good opportunity to make a commitment to Minnesotans to put some money uh, back in their pockets. Governor Dayton is much more cautious about tax cuts. I support tax reductions for middle-income Minnesotans. My supplemental budget will again propose increasing the child care tax credit. I will also support federal tax conformities, which will further reduce state income taxes for many Minnesotans. <laughs> However, some people are proposing permanent tax cuts, which would put our state's budget once again on a fiscal precipice. They say give it all back to the taxpayers. But that slogan is based upon a wrong premise and a wrong conclusion. And so, Scott, there could hardly be more sharp differences between Republicans and Democrats on the biggest issues of the 2016 session. And with this being an election year, it remains to be seen how much they'll get done. Yes, indeed. Thank you, Bill. More Minnesota Matters after this. You, my friend, have connections in the government. Yes, you. USA.gov, the official source for government information on thousands of topics. And like any good connection, there's no telling where it can take you. Why, one day you're getting student loan information. Next thing you know, you need job hunting tips. Today's road construction info could have you searching for telecommuting ideas tomorrow. The more you use USA.gov, the more uses you'll find for it. Passport applications, for example. They've been known to lead to a sudden interest in travel advisories. Our new mobile apps will even update you on the go. So whether you have information to get or ideas to give your government, check out USA.gov. Who knows? Lottery results today could lead to retirement planning tomorrow. USA.gov. With the right connections, there's no telling where you can go. 
Welcome back to Minnesota Matters. I'm Scott Peterson. Heading into the busy spring break travel season, many Minnesotans flying out of MSP International Airport are making their departures in a pretty sour mood. That's because of the longer than usual wait times. And that's after the Transportation Security Administration recently put in a new checkpoint to try and expedite the check-in process. Local lawmakers, including Senator Al Franken, are demanding answers and action to cut down on lines that are too long. Sometimes so long that people have missed their flights. Uh, and this uh, this needs to be addressed. Those times need to be shortened. Uh, air travel in our society is absolutely essential for businesses, of course, but for also for families, for tourism. And we obviously want to make sure that the airports are secure, which means you have to check everyone and check their luggage as well, but it needs to be done in a timely manner. And unfortunately, uh, there have been some changes to TSA security checkpoints at uh, if you've been to the airport recently. Uh, there are now two big checkpoints going in. And travelers have been stuck in line for as long as an hour. And this is, uh, this is unacceptable. So I have uh, written TSA. Uh, I'll be speaking to their administrator today uh, here in my office in D.C., and I'm pressing to bring in more resources uh, for TSA. I've uh, written and talked to the uh, chair and, and uh, ranking member of uh, the uh, Appropriations Committee that's in charge of uh, Homeland Security to make sure that we have the right uh, resources there. Uh, the peak uh, of TSA agents um, in the system was in 2011, and there are now 5,600 fewer screeners than there, than there were then, and I want to find out exactly why, and my suspicion is, is that it was um, trying to save some money. And, you know, I was speaking with airport officials just a, a few weeks ago when some of the new checkpoints were being opened at the airport. And my impression at that time was that the idea was that these checkpoints would make things go faster. So I'm wondering, why has the opposite happened? Well, um, perhaps it's the shakedown, you know, the shakedown crews of, uh, of this, because anytime, I mean, if, if you travel around the country, the the checkpoints that are there now look more like ones at other large airports around the country. Uh, and so maybe we just uh, did not make, you know, the, the RTSA uh, agents didn't make the adjustments uh, to the new system. And maybe they're working some of the, uh, some of that out. So that that's part of what I, I, I'm going to find out today when I talk to the TSA administrator. And we've had a stretch of a few weeks here where people have been complaining about long wait times and long lines. Why hasn't the TSA acted sooner? That's uh, a good, a very good question. I'm going to try to get to the bottom of that when I, I talk to the administrator. I, I have to assume that they are trying to to um, address the problem, but I don't know if this is just, if it's a matter of funding uh, part of this, I think, is we've seen there are actually f uh, fewer flights, but more people on the fewer flights. So there may be like bottlenecks when there uh, is a density of, of flights and people that are leaving. Is one of the issues here, you know, with long wait times, and it sounds like we've got more travelers, fewer TSA agents, is safety a concern and is security uh, being done to its full extent as far as we know? 
I, I sort of assume that that was uh, that that ball wasn't allowed to drop. That uh, that is the whole purpose of this thing. Unfortunately, is that we have to make sure that um, our air travel is secure. So my, my feeling is is that I know that whenever when I go through and you know one of the TSA agents is looking at the X-ray machine goes like I see something here. They stop it, you know, and uh, as as they as they should. They should just have a, a, a system that works um, that works well. If I can play devil's advocate here for just a moment, uh, as, as little traveling as I do air travel, I do, when I am at the airport, I almost always hear complaints from people about long lines. It doesn't matter what time of year it is. Uh, I mean, do, do travelers really have a choice? If you need to get somewhere, you, you need to get somewhere. And for the most part, we've, we've all just gotten used to having to wait. Yeah, there's, there's long waits and there's long waits. And the... Um, the point is, is that we've seen longer waits now, and we got to get to the bottom of that and bring it back to where it was. I mean, unfortunately, we had uh, this terrible event um, about you know 15 years ago, uh, and since then we have to make sure that our that our air travel is secure, and we pay a price for that every day. Now, I know we want to get this taken care of as soon as possible, but do we have a specific timeline of, of how soon we want to, to have more TSA agents and shorter lines? Uh, again, I'm going to be talking to the uh, top TSA administrator today. I'll probably know more about that. I can't imagine that uh, uh, this won't improve uh, in short order. And, you know, this is the peak travel time at spring break season, so I would anticipate that uh, that hopefully this is something that uh, TSA agents, I know the airports, would like to get this taken care of as soon as possible. Yeah, obviously they would. I, I don't know. In, in terms of bringing added personnel on, um, I don't know how quickly they can do that. And in terms of giving more hours, you want to be able to, uh, take the agents that we have and maybe give them more hours, but you, there's a limit to how much you can do that and continue to keep the, the system safe. We'll be watching closely to see if those wait times shrink. And it should be noted, as this story was filed, Senator Amy Klobuchar, Governor Mark Dayton, and the head of TSA were meeting to address solutions for the long lines. More Minnesota Matters after this. So you see, son, good manners are very, very important. Someday, many years from now, when you're a grown-up, you'll be a man. And when you are, you should be a gentleman. Do you want me to go through it one more time? Yes. Yes, please. Yes, please. Exactly. Always say please, thank you, you're welcome, and excuse me. Sit up straight, hold doors open for ladies. If a door's shut, then knock first. Don't burp, don't swear, don't speak with a mouthful, don't reach across people's plates, keep your elbows off the table. What table? And don't interrupt. While we're at it, don't stare, don't use foul language, don't call people names, but do remember people's names. Always share your toys, play nice, and cover your mouth when you cough or sneeze. On the bus, give up your seat to anyone who has trouble standing. Bottom line, treat others the way you'd like to be treated. Got it? Got it. And stop picking your nose. Most parenting is hard to do in just two minutes. But spending just two minutes twice a day making sure they brush their teeth is easier and could help save them from a lifetime of tooth pain. For fun two-minute videos to watch while brushing, visit 2min2x.org. That's 2min2x.org. A message from the Partnership for Healthy Mouths, Healthy Lives, and the Ag Council. Don't you wish that getting your child to eat right, move more, and spend less time in front of a screen could be as easy as pushing a button? 
It might not be that simple, but you do have more power than you know. And you can maximize that power with proven strategies, tips, and tools from the National Institutes of Health's We Can, or Ways to Enhance Children's Activity and Nutrition program. We Can offers all kinds of resources, including fun recipes and activities the family can do together to show you the way to live a healthier lifestyle. We're not saying it's easy. We are saying that it can be done. Take the first step today. Call 1-866-359-3226 for a free We Can Parents Handbook. And be sure to visit the We Can website at wecan.nhlbi.nih.gov for free information, too. A message from the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services. Welcome back to Minnesota Matters. March is Problem Gambling Awareness Month. MNN's Tasha Radel takes a closer look at how gambling addiction can destroy not only the addict, but loved ones too. If you don't gamble, you might not be able to understand those that struggle with a gambling addiction. You might think that throwing a bunch of money into machines or into lottery scratch-offs is stupid, but to the addict, it's a thrill and they love it. Joining me is Kathy Peralt, Executive Director of the North Star Problem Gambling Alliance. Kathy, the theme of this year's campaign is Problem Gambling, Have the Conversation. Can you tell us why this message is so important? It is a very important month uh, for organizations like the North Star Alliance, the National Council on Problem Gambling, because we combine with as many other interested organizations as possible to really bring up the awareness level of of gambling as a potential addictive problem and to try to help people understand that they should talk about that gambling issues, they shouldn't be afraid to come forward and ask for help. And the sooner they can ask for help, the better. The other message is that in Minnesota, we the state provides uh, treatment options for people, and those are uh, funded through the state's problem gambling program, which is uh, funded from gambling revenues in the state. Gambling problems can develop in anyone regardless of age, race, gender, or socioeconomic status. Basically, problem gambling is an equal opportunity disorder. Kathy, do we have any idea of how many Minnesotans are being impacted by this addiction? We do know over the last several years that uh, 95% of the population uh, said that they had gambled within the last year, and now the most recent of those numbers is down to 85%. So 85% of people have said that they gamble, they had gambled within the last year. That's really the only measure that we have at this point, and also from the national level, They talk about, you know, from a half to one and a half percent of the population could become problem gamblers. So if you extract that out, you know, we've got 200, 250,000 people in Minnesota that could possibly meet the criteria for a gambling addiction diagnosis. And then, of course, there's many others who are, you know, maybe running into problems at this stage, and they all affect family members, too. So in terms of uh, the reach across Minnesota, uh, there's, a, there's a high potential here for a lot of people to have problems. When does gambling become more than just a game? The main warning signs that we talk about 
in most of our, you know, communications is um, a short list, but it's the person starts to demonstrate uh, uh, a desire and a behavior of wanting to go and gamble more frequently than they have in the past. So if you have a group of friends and and you used to go play bingo for, you know, once a month, and maybe one of the group starts going back on their own or starts to um, be secretive about that behavior, that can be a warning sign. The fact that people will get um, very, they'll get real inflated about their winnings, but you'll never hear them talk about their losses. You know, so somebody can say, oh, I won, you know, $30,000, but it cost them 50. (laughs) They won't, you know, they won't tell you that. So sort of that in bragging about winnings, uh, financial problems obviously show up. And so if somebody is wanting to borrow money a lot, you know, you know, geez, guys, I'm a little short this week. I need to borrow some money to fix my car. Um, And then ultimately that money ends up going to gambling. And that's a huge sign. Uh, lying about where they've been. Um, I think these these are the major ones that people can watch for in their family, friends, acquaintances that could be real warning signs of a problem developing. Kathy, if there's someone out there that has a, a friend or a family member that's in trouble with gambling, is there help and resources available to them? In Minnesota, uh, if somebody is seeking help for a gambling problem, or if you're the spouse or family member of somebody that you believe has a gambling problem, you can get some help through the state's treatment network. The way to access that is to call the Problem Gambling Helpline. It's a 24-hour, seven-day-a-week service. The number is 1-800-333-HOPE, H-O-P-E, which is 4673. And, uh, and a counselor there will let you listen to your, what's going on, help you determine where, kind of where you're at, um, and will help point people towards resources. There's a treatment network throughout the state, although there is not as many places as we'd like to have right now. Um, some of the farther reaches aren't served as well with trained counselors. But to find out what's there, what's near you, how to get started, um, people can call that helpline. Thanks again to Kathy Peralt, Executive Director of the North Star Problem Gambling Alliance. And again, for more information on gambling, gambling addiction, or treatment resources, go online to getgamblinghelp.com. Again, that's getgamblinghelp.com, or you can call 1-800-333-HOPE. That's 1-800-333-HOPE. Back to you, Scott. Thank you, Tasha. More Minnesota Matters in a minute. Who might you save? Your mother, your father, your husband, uncle, aunt, son. Learn fast. F-A-S-T. The sudden signs of a stroke and you could save. Your friend, your best friend, teacher, boss, coach. F, face drooping. A, arm weakness. S, speech difficulty. T, time to call 911. F-A-S-T, face, arm, speech, time. That's F, face drooping. A, arm weakness. S, speech difficulty. T, time to call 911. 
The sooner they get to the hospital, the sooner they'll get treatment. And that can make a remarkable difference in the recovery of your neighbor, the waiter, a fellow shopper, a total stranger, grandmother, grandfather. So learn FAST, the sudden signs of a stroke, then pass it on because you never know who might save you. Your wife, your colleague, teammate, mother. Spot a stroke fast. Visit strokeassociation.org. Brought to you by the American Stroke Association and the Ad Council. Welcome back to Minnesota Matters. As the 2016 Minnesota Legislative Session is underway, the Minnesota Corn Growers Association has identified property tax relief and water quality as primary issues for its members. Brownfield's Mark Dorenkamp spoke to MCGA Public Policy Director Anna Boroff earlier this week, and he has more. How has Minnesota Corn gone about identifying key issues for this session, and what are they? Yeah, so our grassroots uh, process uh, kind of flushes out what uh, they would like to focus on in the upcoming session. Um, so we kind of pick, you know, a top uh, few issues that are the most important heading into a very short, uh, fast session. You know, they started yesterday, and it's uh, gotten off to quite the uh, start yesterday. So um, we have three kind of top priorities that we've outlined. Um, the first is property tax relief. Uh, that is what I hear about from farmers uh, every day. Uh, they're getting killed on property taxes right now, specifically uh, in areas that have passed uh, school bond levies. Um, so we would like to see uh, a tax bill that addresses that issue. Uh, obviously, they adjourned last session without a tax bill, so that's one of the things they're going to be looking at this year and uh, very desperately needed by farmers, uh, especially given the situation in terms of the economy in rural Minnesota. So that is absolutely our top priority uh, when they adjourned last session. Uh, there was a 50% uh, credit uh, for property taxes that were attributable to uh, school debt bonds. And so we'd like to see that provision or something along those lines passed this year. So that's our top priority. Um, secondly, the other issue that everyone's probably very tired of hearing about, but we're uh, very much in the middle of, uh, is the riparian buffer issue. Um, I'm sure everyone's aware that last year uh, the legislature passed additional buffer requirements. And so that issue is far from over. Um, you know, there's a lot of activity on that uh, in the interim. And then also we're looking to see some legislation that clarifies that issue this session as well, uh, specifically on the private ditch issue, but also on some kind of uh, vagueness in the bill uh, we'd also like addressed. So um, that's another issue. Um, obviously, it relates to the whole water quality conversation that's going on uh, in general, but uh, specifically that's what's going on with buffers. And then lastly, the other thing that the transport, uh, that the legislature left town without last year uh, was a major transportation funding bill. And so that's another issue that we're going to be following very closely. And uh, obviously, you know, rural roads and bridges are, are really important to the ag economy and to our farmers, and there's a lot of needs out there. So um, how they choose to address that issue will be uh, very interesting. Um, there was a lot of discussion on that yesterday uh, as they kind of gaveled in and got started. Anna, how do you think a shortened session will impact the issues that you just highlighted this session? Well, uh, a short session uh, always means that things happen very fast. Um, you know, and we're heading into an election year, and I would say that the, the divide between metro and rural has never been greater, which is unfortunate. And if you're watching the Senate and House floor yesterday, I think you saw that issue kind of explode a little bit. And that's going to very much be an election issue uh, this fall, especially given 
um, that the majorities, especially in the House, were built on uh, rural legislative seats. So uh, that issue and agriculture and rural uh, needs in general are going to get a lot of attention this session, and um, that's going to be both a good thing and a bad thing, I think, um, because like I said, that that divide between the metro and uh, rural areas is is pretty wide right now. So um, that's going to make a short session really interesting. And also um, this issue is going to uh, get a lot more attention, I think, going into the election year as well. You brought up buffers and water quality in general, and obviously that's been a, a really important topic for Governor Dayton. How will that factor into how the session unfolds, do you think? You know, I'm actually hopeful that um, the clarifications that we're looking for will be relatively uncontroversial. You know, I, I would like to hope um, that we can, we can do that. Obviously, water quality in general is um, a priority for the governor. He made that very clear last year. And then, you know, a couple weeks ago, a weekend a year ago, um, he held a water quality summit where um, they're not just talking buffers, but they're talking about a lot of water quality issues uh, overall. Um, so I'm hopeful we can find some agreement this session on kind of tightening up the language uh, in terms of the buffer bill that was passed last session. But the the larger water quality debate, I think, is far from over. And so it will be interesting to see um, if any proposals get traction uh, this year or uh, I think more importantly going into next year uh, when there's a new legislature and uh, after an election year. Minnesota Corn Growers Association Public Policy Director, Anna Boroff. I'm Mark Dorenkamp reporting. Thank you, Mark. That's going to do it for this week. Thanks for listening, and please tune in again next week for Minnesota Matters on this MNN station.